If you're scared to ask for money, you'll never make money in real estate, period. Before we get started, I want you guys to go register now for the free webinar training on this topic. Go to bit.ly slash creative financing webinar to register now. That's bit.ly slash creative financing webinar. I have now done over $100 million in real estate transactions over the last 10 years and counting, going from a real teen mom with one daughter at the time, wholesaling and door knocking residential pre-foreclosure properties, to now national real estate investor with five children and four businesses, buying and selling residential and commercial properties. And I want you to do the same. So let's do it. Hey everyone, welcome back to today's episode of the Real Tea Talks show with your host, that is me, Tyee, T-I-Y-E. Today we're going to be talking about how to fund deals by ethically stealing equity using creative financing strategy. As many of you may recall, it is on the subject of subject to financing. So I don't know about you guys, but today it is raining and I am just not feeling it. Like it's bad enough that most of us are home bound and home-based for the most part, teaching and reading and writing and studying and exercising, doing everything from home, right? Including schooling and working and pleasure and date nights. Everything is in the house. If you're lucky and fortunate enough to have a backyard and or a front porch or yard, then usually you and or your spouse or, or even your children can go out and kind of enjoy some fresh air for a little bit of time, trying to still stay safe and avoid the this coronavirus, right? But now that it's raining, it adds a whole nother layer of extra, of extra stress or extra tension. But you don't want to have those vibes, okay? Find something indoors to do. Something that I did today was create or refresh, I should say, refresh my vision board. Something I encourage you guys all to create if you haven't done so already or to re-up and renew and redo it at least every six months. That's what I stick to. That's what I encourage my family and my friends to do as well. So if you guys need some idea of what you should do or can do while you're home-based and home-bound, especially during not only the corona crisis, but also during this rainy day or season, if it's raining where you are as well, create a vision board. It's very, very important and helpful for you to realize and kind of visualize at the same time all of the things that you are doing this business for. What is in it for you, okay? Remember to keep that visual, keep it updated and keep it front and center so it's a healthy reminder visually of what it is that you are going for and going so hard every day towards, okay? So with that said, let's get into talking more about what today's topic is in regards to this creative financing strategy that, as you know, is used to do deals with very little to no money down. As you may recall, that is the subject to model that I am referring to. So as a reminder, this is the last part of the four-part series on this topic of subject to financing that I've been doing daily over the past four days. I want to give you guys a quick recap. If you haven't listened to the full episodes on this from the last three days, 
in part one, on day one, I talked to you guys about a very general overview and introduction to the world of subject two as a creative financing structure. On day two for part two, I was talking to you guys about buying property subject two, including some of the pros and the cons of the model and some also potential risks uh, to you and the seller so that you're clear on that dynamic of both the risk versus the reward, um, which are both very important components. Yesterday in part three, I talked to you guys about how to actually find properties that fit this fabric of this strategy. And then today for part four, the last part, I'll be talking to you about how to effectively communicate with sellers to make sure not just the property is a good fit, but also the seller, the actual homeowner has to be a good fit for this strategy to work as well, okay? So let's get to it. Now, many sellers will have never heard of a subject to deal, like I mentioned before, right? So when you introduce this idea to them, it is very important that you play the part of a consultant and a trustworthy friend. You have to find a happy medium between those two worlds of business professional consultant, but also trustworthy friend. You'll need to really educate them on this strategy as well as constantly show them how beneficial it can be for them to agree to this. Now, although it may seem like a very complicated subject at first or a topic, um, once you really break down the details, it's actually quite simple. So first, let's talk about creating the perfect pitch because that is how we set the scene for this to even be able to have this ship sail. So homeowners are understandably very nervous when you introduce this idea of a subject to deal. And after all, can you blame them? Like their name is on the note, okay, on the loan and the note and their credit is also on the line. So you really need to do your job of proving to them that you are actually a trustworthy person and that you will make the payments in full and on time like you promise, okay? So this idea of the perfect pitch is really geared around your seller's motivation. You need to really outline just how you will be working towards this being a win-win transaction, a win-win situation for both of you guys. Let me give you an example of what I mean. So you will be working on renovating and selling the home at a higher price, usually when you're using this model. So while they will have the freedom to move forward, knowing that things are taken care of, you on the back end will acquire the property subject to the existing mortgage and then renovate that property with usually private funding that you use to fund the repair cost until you complete the repairs and then pay off that existing mortgage to get the loan paid off in full and out of the seller's name and off of their credit. So real quick, I want you guys to just kind of digest that. If you didn't understand it, pause it, rewind it, listen to it again. But ultimately, I want you to really compare this option to the alternative. Like, yes, the seller would benefit from a typical cash transaction, but it would usually be presented to them at a much lower price, a much lower offer price. Also, if you're dealing with a seller that already has poor credit, you really want to remind them about the benefits of improving their credit by you making these consistent monthly payments on their mortgage instead of them having to, right? Because that rebuilds their credit. 
You also want to always complete these transactions with the utmost integrity. No like willy nilly shoe, you know, cut and dry, you know, straight into the point, but, you know, hitting loopholes type of stuff. Like you don't want to get into that gray area, even if you will. Right. You want to do things above board, be totally transparent and full of integrity because your name is your brand. Your brand is your reputation. Your reputation will live beyond even you into your legacy. So remember, the seller trusts you to make these payments on their behalf. Your word is bond, okay? It is the most important thing that you have. So please, please just make sure that you understand that and make sure that you actually keep it, keep your word. And when you're explaining the deals of, uh, like the details of this type of transaction for this type of deal, you really need to make it crystal clear to the seller that the loan will stay in their name until it is paid off by any means that you choose to do that. And that it will continue to show also on their credit report, that means. So if at any time during this conversation or explanation, if you will, you notice that this will be a problem for them, then you should not go through with this type of deal, okay? Like a a, a quick tip here that I wanna share with you guys is that I found to also be helpful is that you really must have a good relationship with a real estate attorney who is not just any attorney. It has to be one that really specializes not only even in doing closings as a closing attorney, but also in other real estate matters, including creative financing, okay? Like that is huge. They have to specialize, not just practice in real estate in general. That way, he or she can really guide you through the process and really protect everyone's interest to avoid lawsuits, litigation, everything that can happen as a result of poor business practice, poor structure, and poor representation. Now, Second to your pitch being on point, you want to be able to overcome common objections that the seller will definitely have. Not they might have. No, they definitely will have these. Okay, so don't kid yourself. When you present this opportunity, they will have some objections. But the good thing is that most of the objections you'll hear are common. Okay, so being that like this whole model of subject to financing is a new and usually foreign concept to most sellers out there, you are inevitably going to hear them. So prepare yourself for that. Don't be lazy about it. You have to be able to understand those differences between a real objection and an objection that's really derived from fear. Okay, because a fear based objection is usually based on a misunderstanding or even a lack of communication. And the good thing is that this is something you can actually fix, okay, as opposed to a real objection. A real objection, I like to think of it's kind of like much deeper than this fear-based objection. For for example, let me let me just give you an example. If you've like fully explained at this point to the seller that the loan will stay in their name, yet this is an automatic problem for them, then do not buy the property, period. It will become a huge headache down the road if you're not on the same page from the absolute jump from the beginning, okay? You should never feel as if you have to convince a seller to sell to you this way. 
because there are enormous benefits that actually speak for themselves if you articulate it correctly, if you emphasize them appropriately and very clearly. After you've explained all the details and really demonstrated that you are a credible and trustworthy investor, they should be thrilled that you have a way to solve their problem and and be willing to do whatever it takes to make this transaction work. So before you reach that level of really excitement and understanding and you're going to, you know, get a few fear-based objections, um, let me just give you kind of four common um, objections that you will have to overcome at some point when you're doing these deals. The first of the four is this real fear of the due on sale clause. Okay, it's called the do on sale clause. And this clause is going to rear its ugly head more than once throughout your transaction. You are aiming to be as open and honest as possible with your seller. So you will have to explain this clause to them right away and inform them of all of the risks. Because the do on sale clause, it basically states that if the owner of a property transfers, okay, meaning that Joe transfers the ownership or title of the property to John, for example, the lender can call the loan paid due in full, okay? They can call the loan due, which means you have to pay it in full. This due on sale clause really gives that lender the right to demand payment of the remaining balance of the loan when the property is sold. This is a contractual right that they have, okay? So you wanna be aware of it, that if the loan is called due by the lender because they see that a transfer um, has been done in the ownership of the property on on the title, meaning that Joe transfers to John or John transfers to Sally, whatever that name change on title is, contractually, the lender, let's say it's Wells Fargo on the loan that you're paying on, can immediately demand that the balance be paid in full. Okay, so that means if you're in the middle of a rehab and there's an $80,000 mortgage balance or even $380,000 balance at that point, you have to be in a position to be able to pay for that remaining balance in full. Okay, another fear is that it's really a fear of the investor themselves for the seller because most often investors don't always have the best reputation in the real estate industry. Let's be honest. The bottom line, though, is that most people just don't understand that we as investors do. Okay, this is why building rapport is the single most important factor leading to a mutually satisfying outcome for both you and the seller because. Absolutely, rapport occurs when you and your counterparts, in this case being the seller, really attain this level of trust and really have cultivated this level of positivity, of good vibes, and a really healthy relationship, okay? Building credibility really goes right alongside with building rapport. And people are going to usually, usually, not always, but usually, they're going to be skeptical at first. So when you first start um, talking to a seller and you're walking them through this during the seller meeting, it's really important, vitally important even, that you remain confident in your business and in your presentation, okay? The key is to take control of this meeting, though, right from the start and really set the tone because, 
you want to like start by being truthful in all aspects of this relationship. And that means fully disclose everything that you plan to do and be super transparent. No matter how much you want to kind of cut corners, like if that's your intent, it's going to become evident anyways. So don't go in with that ill intent. Like we have found that honesty and real full disclosure really helps people to feel at ease. Okay. A comfortable seller is definitely a happy seller, which means no lawsuits or litigation coming your way. That is key especially if you're in a litigious state like California, like I am in, okay? Another quick tip that I'm thinking of right now that I want to share with you guys uh, that you should note here is when you're really dealing with this subject to financing, an important part of your credibility is also your credit history. Now, it may be a good idea to actually insert your or even your business's most recent credit report into your, sell, your, your seller um, integrity packet just to prove that you aren't all talk. You actually pay your bills, which is why if you haven't started building your personal and or business credit, it's very, very important that you do. That's one of the pitfalls that I fell victim to is not taking that seriously when I was advised to do that from the very jump by my business partner, as well as by my mentors. They were like, build your credit, get your credit back on track. I had a situation where I had a family member who misused my credit and my name and it went to crap. Excuse my French, but it went sideways. Okay. They told me, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, I, I'm going to just use it for this specific thing. And they actually, I told them no. And they went behind my back. They did it anyways. And she ended up wrecking my credit. Now I didn't want to have to go through the, cre- uh, the hassle, um, of having to fix my credit, but it stayed on my credit, what she did. So I was not only furious, but I was also demoralized from like, I'm not going to fight and spend time, money and energy and effort to fix this when I can just pay cash. I got a little, like ahead of myself, but I should have. In retrospect, in hindsight, I definitely should have done that. Um, So I want you guys to be mindful of that, is that that does build instant credibility if you are able to insert your credit or even your business's most recent credit report because the sellers literally will be like, okay, done deal, sign. Where do I sign? Let me ink this right now. That's been our experience with that. Okay, so another fear, though, um, getting back to what I was talking about um, of the sellers is about the fear of time. Okay, the question of like, how long will this take? That usually will come up during your process and the seller will want to know, rightfully so, how long this will have to stick to their credit and how long ultimately they'll have to stick their neck out on this deal and when exactly they can breathe easy with a mortgage that is paid in full, reflected on their credit. And your response to that is really critical. Okay, so your response should be something similar to like, okay, John, Sally, Jane, whoever you're talking to, I will be anxiously making the repairs once we close. My anticipation, though, is in four to six months, we will have that mortgage paid off and you will receive a note that says paid in full from your mortgage company. Now, I can't guarantee those time parameters, but I'll be super honest with you. That is our goal. Okay, so by adding in that detail of the note from the mortgage company, you are at that point helping to really paint the picture and reinforce that we are all shooting for a win win situation. 
Another fear that you want to be prepared for from the seller is the fear of consequence, okay? When the seller places their existing mortgage in your hands, then of course there is going to be concern, right? So what happens if payments aren't made? They'll ask you, okay? And we found it's best to try and preempt this common objection by explaining early on that you will be using a loan servicing company or even an attorney to make these mortgage payments. So another idea though, if you don't wanna go with one of those two options, another idea may be to open a savings account. And in this case, you would make the payment into that account and then make arrangements for that amount to be automatically deducted every month and credited to the mortgage payment so that you can set up the seller with online access to actually view that account and see that the payments are being made. That is huge, a huge gem that like is gold, literally pure gold in order to make the seller be instantly uh, you know, for you to really have instant credibility and the seller to be instantly usually at ease with that type of prepared response, okay? And that actually reminds me of another quick tip I want you guys to note here is really to give the seller an opportunity to consult with legal counsel, okay? Like often investors are really in this act of haste to secure their signature on the purchase contract in order to quote unquote beat out the competition. But the danger in that approach is really that the seller may later claim that he or she was misled and or they misunderstood the details of the transaction. And if you have to go to court, which would be crazy, it would be time intensive, and it also would be costly, a court could very possibly defer to the inexperienced seller as opposed to a seasoned investor that they will consider you as, even if you've only been in the business maybe six to 12 months. So you really want to be clear on that. Now, I want to end really by touching on completing a subject to contract okay I want to like get through this communication piece by really what you know overall is involved with 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 the contractual piece okay so overall this paperwork involved in this financing strategy is really the same paperwork that's involved in any other transaction because subject to real estate contracts are legally binding and they're also enforceable in a court of law because contracts must be recorded through the district courts where the property for sale is actually located. So ownership rights are quote unquote subject to fulfillment of the contract obligations. Now, in some states though, if buyers default on subject to contracts, ownership rights typically revert back to the property owner. If this occurs, buyers actually forfeit all of their invested funds, which would suck, right? However, it's also important to make sure you always seek competent legal advice. Like I can't harp on that enough. Like you definitely need these relationships with attorneys for their legal advice from them when you're putting together a subject to contract because the rules and the laws are different in each area. There's no just blanket contract or one size fits all for the legal framework of these type of deals. And when, it t when the time really comes to fill out this paperwork for these type of deals, your real estate attorney will add to the special provisions section of the sales contract something like 
um, this transaction is subject to the existing mortgage with Wells Fargo Bank or with Shell Point Mortgage or with Bank of America, whoever that lender is. Then you will include all of the information about the loan, such as the name of the lender, the loan number, the original amount, the monthly payments, all the names on the note and any other relevant information that needs to be included in your docs, in your paperwork. So this can also be referenced um, for you guys on the HUD one or the closing statement is what it's now called, the closing disclosure or the settlement statement on line 203, at least in my area, under the section that says summary of borrower's transaction. And on line 503, if you're in California or Ohio, even those settlement statements also show under the summary of the seller's transaction. It says something like existing loans taken subject to. Okay, so that's what you want to look for. Now, a helpful tip here I'll share with you also is that because you don't have a payoff from the bank, you won't know the exact amount that's left on the mortgage just yet. You will need an authorization to release information form filled out by the seller so that that form is vital because it allows you, once you send it into the bank, to actually call the bank directly and inquire about all of the loan details that are currently in place. Like you want to trust what the seller is saying, but you always want to verify it as well with the source, which in this case is their bank, okay, that you'll be making payments to. Now, before I end on this topic also for this series today, I want to leave you guys with some pitfalls and also some common mistakes that I've made when I first started my career over a decade ago investing in subject to deals that I definitely don't want you guys to make those same mistakes but I absolutely see students as well as new investors and even seasoned investors still making these really costly time-consuming mistakes to this day. Okay, so like when dealing with any creative financing method you should always be careful of making the common mistakes okay if you can learn about them and preempt them then you'll avoid them which is that's that's where the money is actually made right it's it's your unfair competitive advantage in the marketplace now it may be easy to really become caught up in the process and forget about like the simple details that make all the difference so here i want to talk about just some common mistakes that we've made that we've encountered and even see still to this day Okay, the number one thing I see is that investors are forgetting about insurance. So as soon as you purchase the house, you should be buying new hazard and title insurance. Okay, hazard insurance policy, you need that. Title insurance policy, you absolutely need that as well. Do not try and cut you know, corners by not having these things um, because as soon as the deed exchanges hands, the old policy for especially the hazard insurance policy, it disappears. So never ever take the deeded legal ownership of a property without obtaining that hazard insurance because it goes a long way. It goes along with it, okay? You can be exposed to a world of hurt that you aren't ready to defend. Let me just tell you that straight up. You are not gonna be ready for what 
can, you know, you can incur legally or financially if you don't have that in place. With title insurance, same thing. You will take ownership of the property, so the insurance policy on the property needs to absolutely be changed to reflect you as the new owner, okay? And amending the current policy or obtaining a new one can actually accomplish this. So you want to discuss those plans with your attorney to make sure that they will be able to write title insurance for you if you're going through a closing attorney. If a particular title company uh, states that they cannot write title insurance for subject to transactions, then you just need to try and find another title company. So having title insurance, again, is super important for when you go to resell that property. Similar to car insurance policies, though, if you leave something uninsured for a period of time, the insurance companies are less likely to reinsure you, okay, or reinsure the property that is just rule of thumb in the world of insurance, okay? Now, another common mistake I see folks making is agreeing to pay too much for the property just because they're getting it or acquiring it up front for little to no money. Like you never want to overpromise in real estate, period. Especially when your seller is putting so much faith and trust in you and your word as they are when they are agreeing to doing a subject to financing agreement. Okay, you need to sit down, you need to crunch the numbers before, before, hear me loud and clear, before you make an offer. And then, and only then, make sure your seller understands where that offer came from and how you're going to deliver. That is key. Do not try to, if the property, even on Zillow, okay, if you go on Zillow and if the Zestimate says it's worth 400000 and you're not able to know exactly how much that property is worth, so you're gonna take the $400,000, do not try to offer them $480,000. Don't do that, it's just stupid. Don't do that just to seal the deal or even to get the deal. Um, another common mistake I can think of is like really failing to vacate the homeowners, right? That means that you're not getting the homeowners out if they're currently living in the property. So the day you close and actually become the owner of that property, the homeowners should be gone. They should be vacated. If they need an extra week before they move, then you need to wait an extra week to close, right? Like right before you close, you should be walking through a vacant house just as with any other normal transaction unless you are keeping tenants in place because you're planning to hold the property long term as a rental to build your rental and passive income portfolio but that's something totally different in a traditional situation especially when starting out and getting familiar with the structure of these deals you're going to be acquiring them subject to so that you can renovate them and resell them within a six to twelve month at the longest period Okay, now the next thing I can think of in regards to common pitfalls that I've even fell victim to and made, um, you know, but also see commonly happening now is really misleading the lender. Okay, meaning the existing mortgage lender, they are being misled. Now, you want to be very careful not to do this. You don't want to mislead that lender with respect to the due on sale clause specifically. Okay. And that is especially if the lender inquires about the transfer. This is particularly important, though, when you're dealing with a federally insured loan because of the laws concerning what's called concealment with respect to the government agencies. OK, so you don't want to conceal the fact or try to that the transfer did not happen. 
you are heading down the wrong path. You're barking up the wrong tree. So don't do that. Okay. Now this one cost me 17 properties. Okay. This is like no joke, which is avoiding taxes. Even if you are naive to what that means, you need to get educated. It cost me 17 properties, which was hundreds and thousands and over millions of dollars in 17 properties that I lost by avoiding to pay taxes. Not because I tried to conceal them, not because I ever did it intentionally. It was because of a lack of knowledge. Okay. So some states may require transfer taxes. Um, never try though to conceal the transfer to avoid paying these, tra- uh, these transfer taxes. Okay. If the state requires they be paid, you need to make sure that they are paid. In my case, uh, even from property one all the way up to 17, it was, I did not know. So I was not trying to conceal the fact that, um, uh, the transfer happened so that I can avoid paying taxes. No, I literally, it was legit. I didn't know that in the states I was investing in, those states required that transfer taxes be paid even for subject to sale. So what did I do? I got the property. I was so juiced. I was like, yes, I got this one. Let's go. Let's go. Where's my next one, right? Bam, got another deed, didn't got another deed, then my fourth, fifth, sixth one, right? Kept getting them, kept getting them super fast, super hungry, and super determined to just get as many doors and units as I could. Well, that was great while it lasted, but it cost me terribly in the end because after those 17 properties were acquired and those taxes were not paid, then it cost me the property and that is just a whole nother story, right? So don't do that, don't try and conceal, don't act like or don't you know invest your time in investigating transfer taxes in the states that you plan to invest okay now another common thing that i'm noticing is people not having an exit strategy before you jump into this kind of investment you need to do your homework you need to have a plan you need to not only know your numbers but you need to understand your exit strategy as well exit strategy meaning are you going to wholesale it are you going to fix and flip it are you going to buy and hold it as passive income to build your rental portfolio Okay, there are many possible exit strategies. However, the key principle here is to remember that your strategy needs to be short term. The ideal exit strategy, again, if you recall from earlier, I said it should be completed within a maximum of six months. 12 months is really pushing it, especially for your first few deals. You need to really stick to a maximum of six months. Okay, so remember, guys, like ladies, gentlemen, if you're listening, you guys, no matter what you think, you will have to sell this house quickly to appease yourself and the seller. The only alternative to that is refinancing, which is a whole nother topic, okay? So make sure you already have developed a stocked buyer's list so that you do have plenty of options when it comes time to turn around and sell the property. Okay, that's very, very important. You do not want to be stuck holding a bag that you cannot move. Okay, so even to this day, my team and I remain very conservative and very cautious when we're buying properties this way. But but on the other side, when it's done right, okay, subject to purchases are definitely still a legitimate way to buy properties and it really work they really work well for both the buyer and the seller. So 
Let me just recap kind of what we've learned today, what I've talked about today, because I know that it was a lot, okay? So step number one is that you do wanna locate deals that fit. You wanna only go into deals with the seller if you feel they are a good fit and the seller is 100% on board, okay? Number two, I want you to remember to reach an agreement, okay? The second step, reach an agreement. The seller will definitely leave their mortgage in place um, while the buyer agrees to take over the payments. The buyer would be the investor you okay now make sure everyone is on the same page from the get-go and every detail has been covered okay so step three once you do that and have an agreement is to actually close the deal using subject two. so you're going to close with an attorney the attorney will do the title work and make sure everything is above board from a legal perspective Okay. Then number four, you want to insure the property. You want to obtain hazard insurance, naming you as the owner, as the insured person. You want to speak with a title company to obtain title insurance. Um, if it's vacant and actually under significant rehab, then you want to also have a builder's risk policy that should be used here instead if it is in undergoing a rehab. Okay, then step five, you want to rehab the property while making payments on the original mortgage. You will continue with the rehab process and the preparation for the sale of that property as well when you're done. And then finally, step six, you want to list and sell the property. So once the property is sold, you pay off the remaining mortgage on behalf of the seller. And then you also provide them with the closing bonus if you've agreed to do so. Now, I didn't talk about that. I didn't touch on it. But again, it's just another ninja tip that you want to offer if the seller is hesitant to help you seal the subject to deal okay so I know that was a lot of information I hope it was super helpful and important just to really have you guys be mindful of these things and to minimize the wasted time and having to try and figure it all out as deals come instead of asking these questions and doing your proper research up front so you can cut the time in half at minimum to close your deals and and really get more deals done and funded creatively. Okay, so that is my goal and hope for you guys. I hope you really understand now at a very high level the main points that I gave you today, but also over the last three days, with the hope being to add value to you, your life, your business, and your portfolio, okay? Because you need to secure your family, you need to secure your finances, you need to be invested, okay? So let me know in the comments below, on this episode and any of the others that you've tuned into and listened to. Um, let me know what your thoughts are, especially on this episode, your main takeaways or anything else at all that you want to share. I'm here for that. I want to know that. I want to actually hear from you. If you like this episode, please, please do me the favor, okay? If you got value, especially like it, share it, subscribe to my channel um, for this podcast, whether you're listening on YouTube or any podcast-related platform, The Realty Talks with Tyee, so you could be notified in Instantly, when new episodes are published so you can stay ahead of the game with always this up-to-date information that you can immediately execute and apply to your own life, your business, for your future and your family. Okay, so until next time, stay safe, stay invested, stay sanitized during all this craziness and times and continue to work on developing and really understanding this full concept of subject to deal structures for financing and executing daily, okay, so that you're not just learning but you're implementing it. So that you can continue to build your bag, build your brand, build your business, and really keep your money working for you because that's when you become an investor. 
Okay, so stay tuned for our next episode, even though this concludes the four part series on subject to financing. I hope you got a lot of very, very valuable information, like I said, out of it. And I will continue to deliver on my promise to give you guys good, solid, sound investing advice, as well as my opinions, my stories and just kind of the tea on everything going on in real tea because that's what I do, okay? That's what my goal is for you guys. So you definitely can, um, once you feel confident with this deal structure and you understand and research and do your homework that it is a good property and a good seller and a good fit for the fabric of this subject to financing model, you can definitely start to begin to offer it as an option to your sellers and have it as another creative strategy in your arsenal and pipeline. That's what I hope for you guys. Drop any information, any tips, tricks, or takeaways that you have, like I said, in the comments. And until next time, I want you guys to be great. And also stay dry, especially if it's raining like it is where it is for me. Okay? Love you guys. Peace out. Are you interested in learning more about how you can apply these same principles and strategies to create or enhance your existing real estate investing business as well? Well, register now for the free webinar training at bit.ly slash creative financing webinar. That's bit.ly slash creative financing webinar for more tips, tricks, and support along that path so that you can learn the process and prosper. Until then, tune in to the next episode.